Let's pray. Father, thank you for this moment, for worship. God, I pray this morning that you'd open our eyes, that we would see you more clearly. Would you open our ears to hear your words? Would you open our hearts for your spirit to form and shape us even more into your image? For your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. It's good to be with you again. I hope you're finding some kind of rhythm as the semester starts. And I guess I want to ask, have you ever had a moment in your life where something so deeply resonated that you just didn't have words for it? Honestly, this morning was kind of that for me. It's been over a month since we've been together, and and I come in this place, and I look out on you, and it just feels right to be back. I hope you have that feeling as the semester starts when you see your roommates, and it just feels good. Maybe you had that feeling when you went home for break, and you're like, yes, this. Not that, not class, but this. But hopefully you feel it on your return as well. Or if you're a Texan or from a little further south, it's, it's the moment and feeling you get when you bite into your first Whataburger in months. And yes, it is Whataburger, not what a burger um, from Texas, just trust me. But you know it's just right and good and that this might just be the taste of heaven. And for Californians in the room, it's in and out just in and outs not as good. I know, hot take. Or for me, it's the moment after I watch particularly uh, films made by Jordan Peele. Maybe you're familiar with his comedy sketches, but his, his movies, they, they make me stop and confront the reality of my role in the darkness of this world. For you, maybe it's a book you've read in the past. Or a play that you've watched or a quote you've read. Maybe you get this feeling when you step onto a rink or a court or a field or play a certain instrument or something else. But all you know is that something is being stirred deep within you. You can't quite put words to it. But you know what you're doing or reading or feeling Or experiencing is real and true. Even if there is sorrow or difficulty or challenge attached to it. Scripture begins with this kind of moment. It begins with a story. And it's a story that brings about a deep resonance on the human condition. It's the story of Adam and Eve. It's the story of you and me. And what I want to do for just a few minutes this morning is go back to that story in Genesis chapter 3. You've probably read it and heard it. You probably could tell me what it is right now. But if you have your Bibles, open up to Genesis 3 with me. It will be on the screen as well. But let's, let's hear the story again, right? God has created the earth. 
He created Adam and Eve. He created man and woman, you and me, in his image, and he called it very good. But then we get to Genesis 3, and a serpent, a snake comes on the scene, who's the personification of evil, of the devil. And this serpent came to Eve while she's enjoying her new life in the Garden of Eden. And we're told that this serpent was more crafty, more deceitful, cunning, and wily than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And then the snake poses a question to Eve. The snake says, did God actually say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And a little surprised by the question, Eve, I imagine, was like, I think so. Just a little surprised. I I think that's what he said. But then the snake, a little more directly and a little more boldly, says, you certainly will not die. For God knows when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Let's stop there for just a moment. This is the lie underneath every other lie in all of human history. What the serpent is saying to Eve basically is, God's not good. He's holding out on you. He only wants what's best for himself. Look at this bright, shiny thing that God said was off limits. Eat it. Take it. Seize it. It's yours. Experience it. Do it. Follow your heart. And this is a lie of mistaken identity that tempts Eve and tempts you and me to take autonomy from God and redefine good and evil based on the voice in our head rather than trust in the loving words of God. the serpent really was crafty. And he played to Eve's disordered desires. Scripture tells us the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. Eve fell for the lie, and so did Adam. She took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. This is a true story. This is our story. The story of how humanity and life got into their present state. And let's be honest with ourselves for just a moment. We're not too unlike Eve. And Adam, we all have a desire for social status or beauty or financial gain or the upper hand over someone. We want total control. And whatever it is for you, it just feels like it's dangling in front of us all of the time. And if we're honest, we want it. Whatever it is, we want it. And who wouldn't? 
It feels like it's so close within our reach. It's right there if we just go after it, if we just do this or think that. Or at least it appears that way. And just as we know the rest of the story of Adam and Eve and the effects of sin on our world, we know our stories as well. Stories of broken dreams and thwarted hopes. Stories of deep shame and disappointment and even death. We've experienced the heartache of death in our community this past week. And it's been hard and confusing and disappointing. We just don't understand. But let me ask you, what is your response to this story? What is your response when maybe you've taken the dangling fruit in your own life? When you've believed the lie or fallen into temptation time and time again or have been overcome with sorrow and grief because of the brokenness in our world? What is your response to this story? To your story? Listen to Adam and Eve's response, chapter 3, verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They hid. Adam and Eve hid from God. And this is us today. Brennan Manning writes this. He says, we all in one way or another have used them, have used Adam and Eve as role models. Why? Because we don't like what we see. It's uncomfortable, intolerable to confront our true selves. Are Adam and Eve your role models? Are you paralyzed by your own sense of depravity? Or are you hindered in continuous guilt? Are you stuck in an unending cycle of self-doubt where you never think you're quite good enough? Are you hiding? And maybe you're not hiding in the trees like Adam and Eve. They all get cut down anyway. But maybe you're hiding behind your curated image on social media. Your overwork or your moral perfection. Maybe you're hiding between, uh, behind shopping or scrolling. Or maybe you're hiding with, with your theological certainty or the title in front of or behind your name. Or maybe you just try to exercise or consume calories until all the problems are gone. Are you hiding? Do you fear being known as you are in this moment as you sit here? 
That's how Adam and Eve responded. Let's look to see how God responds. Verse 9. But the Lord God called to man and said to him, Where are you? Where are you? Despite the disobedience, despite the brokenness that has now entered the world, despite death, which will now affect all of humanity and creation, what we hear from God is the question, where are you? It's not an angry, you're in big trouble, or a demanding, get over here. It's not a shame-inducing, why'd you do that? How could you do that? I'm disappointed in you. No, God says, where are you? It's a cry of love. It's a question that means God is looking for you. God is pursuing you. He's pursuing me. And that's good news because God knows in the hiding we feel worthless or numb. He knows that in the hiding that's where shame begins to cripple us. He knows in the hiding we begin to forsake our God-given identity as image bearers. That's what hiding is. It's a case of mistaken identity. Where we're more known for what we do than who we are. But God pursues. And pursues and pursues again and again and again and again, over and over and over and over. He doesn't stop. He doesn't quit. He keeps on seeking and finding. The prophet Isaiah puts it like this. Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you. And therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. God wants to know you. He wants to know you so much that he sent his son to die. He wants to know you so much that he gave you his spirit. He doesn't want to know the curated image. He doesn't want to know the person that you think you want to be, should be, or ought to be. He wants to know you right where you are in this very moment, all of you. The flaws, the darkness, the beauty, the goodness, the questions, the anger, whatever weird little quirks you can do. He wants to know them. The God of the universe wants to know you. He longs to give you grace and compassion. He longs for you to come out of hiding so he can restore your God-given identity as image bearer, as very good. <clears throat> and I hope this is good news for you this morning. I hope that you are listening to this story of Adam and Eve and experiencing a deep resonance in yourself that this is your story too. I hope that a deep longing is beginning to be created in you to be known as you are by God and others. 
I hope that your identity as very good is being restored. And that's the hope of this semester, is to be known as we are, here and now, by God and by others. To know that our identity is image bearer of the living God, that our identity is very good. And so over the course of the next seven weeks, that's what we're going to explore, is to be known by God and, be, and by others. And so we're going to be doing a series titled Godspeed, The Pace of Being Known. And this is a series that's based on a documentary that was made a number of years ago of a pastor who moved from America to Scotland, and he kind of shares some of his experiences. And I, and I want to play just a two-minute clip for us this morning just to kind of give you a taste of what's to come. I hope that you don't feel called to leave this place. It's not what it's saying. Because we can do this here. We can be known here as you go to class as you engage with your roommates and co-curriculars and whatever else you have on your plate. And can you imagine if we lost all fear of being known? Could you imagine being free to be yourself the way God made you? That's the hope of this series. For God to flourish you. That's what God's speed means. May God flourish you. And flourishing takes place when we're truly known by God and others. So I hope you hear that this series is not primarily about slowing down, although that's needed in a part of it. This series is about being known. It's about the pace of being known, where we are and as we are right now by God and others. And so as Aaron mentioned at the beginning, one of the ways we're going to try to do this together is by a campus-wide small group. We already have 30, 35 different small group leaders that are signed up, ready to get this going. Their students, their staff, their faculty, and they have times and locations already picked out. And we want to invite you to sign up for one of those. Or maybe you're sitting here and you're like, oh, I kind of want to lead one. Let, let me know. Let Angela Perigo know. We'd love to, for you to lead one. Maybe you want to do it with your office area or your roommates and, and do it like that. Let us know. We'll get you the resources. So we're actually going to take time in chapel to let you look when those small groups are and give you a chance to even sign up here and now if you want to. Because our hope is to be known by God and others as a campus community. We want to live into our identity as image bearers and very good together. And so there's a QR code on the screen. There we go. You can scan it, and we'd love for you to sign up right now. There's all sorts of different ones. Maybe you need to look at your calendar and schedule and take a little bit of time. You can keep this up. I'm going to be sending an email later this afternoon with this link. If you want to pull it up on your laptop or desktop computer um, or anything else with a few other details as well. And if you sign up for one, um, expect information in the coming days on what is to come. And as you think about signing up, we're going to play a little bit of music. But I hope that you'll just imagine that God's asking you, where are you? 
Where are you? And you either deciding, you know what, maybe I can't do a small group, but I'm going to come to chapel each week. You're saying, here I am. Or maybe you do sign up for a small group over the next seven to eight weeks, and it's your response to God saying, here I am, ready to be known, ready to, for my identity to be restored. That's the hope. So take a few minutes, consider signing up.